trading in futures products entails significant risk of loss, which must be understood prior to trading and may not be appropriate for all investors. Please contact your account representative for more information on these risks. Past performance is not indicative of future results. If you like grain markets and other stuff, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Grain Markets and Other Stuff Podcast. Here's your host, Joe Baklovic. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Grain Markets and Other Stuff Podcast. Thank you for joining me. It is Tuesday, August 25th, as I speak here today. Thank you for uh, coming back. Thank you again for listening. If you have not already subscribed to Grain Markets and Other Stuff, make sure you go on Apple or Google or Spotify, any of the podcast apps out there. Uh, find the podcast. Click that subscribe button. Make sure you are made aware when new content is available. And uh, feel free to leave me a review. Really appreciate any feedback, um, especially on the Apple platform. I could use some more reviews there. All the feedback so far has been very positive. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you very much. A little bit of news to discuss here today. Uh, The big story uh, is the crop ratings. And as I speak here uh, mid-morning, we've got a sharply higher trade in the row crop markets. And I think a lot of this has to do with the deterioration that we've seen in the uh, corn and soybean ratings, uh, more so in, in corn than in soybeans. But USDA dropped their crop rating um, on Monday afternoon. 64% good to excellent is the new national rating. That's down from 69 last week. We were 71% good to excellent just two weeks ago. The uh, big problem area is Iowa. Iowa fell another 9% in the good to excellent category. Uh, State of Iowa's corn crop rated now only 50% good to excellent, 21% of that Iowa corn crop is poor to very poor. And you also saw declines in a number of other states. So the idea here uh, this week is that crop ratings are declining, yield potential declining. You know, a few weeks ago, we were looking at a record national corn yield. Now we're looking at a corn yield that might be lucky to hit trend. And uh, opinions, of course, will vary drastically depending on who you talk to. But uh, we're, we're dealing with a more friendly situation than we were just a few weeks ago. And the market is reflecting that. The uh, bad news is that despite this little rally, December corn futures, uh, they're at 353 as I speak here right now. They may be different by the close, but uh, we're still 10 cents below where we topped on that little crop scare event, whatever you want to call it, in early July. So we've still got a lot of work to do before we get back to you know, profitable levels for, for the farmer, but, uh, we look a little bit better. Now the soybean market is a little bit different story. It's up into some, right up against some multi-month highs, um, back to profitable levels for a lot of farmers or break even levels for, for some farmers. So that market looks a lot better and, and the crop ratings there also have declined, but they're still above average. So I think the idea right now is that this, this corn yield has to come down bean yield, maybe a little bit, but there's still some, some work to do as far as weather is concerned in regard to the bean crop. So a lot of talk about the crop, the crop ratings here. A little bit of talk about the trade deal this week. Apparently, there was a phone call between uh, top U.S. and Chinese officials, and they reaffirmed their commitment to the phase one trade deal. So I don't know that this is anything earth shattering, but it's it's certainly something that the trade's paying attention to. Now, we saw China bought buy more uh, corn and soybeans this week, and um, we hope that that continues. We've seen these flash sales. Uh, they've been pretty consistent as of late, and uh, we'd, we would like to see that continue, of course. Uh, currencies. There's been a lot of talk about the currencies and the weak dollar in particular. Uh, the weak dollar, you know, grand scheme of things, big picture is, is considered to be a positive for U.S. commodity prices. The um, 
The currency pair that you also need to pay attention to, however, is the relationship between the Brazilian currency and the U.S. dollar. And the U.S. dollar has actually been strong versus the Brazilian currency here the last uh, couple of weeks. And that's a negative factor for our row crop market. So the dollar index, um, which is most heavily weighted versus the euro and uh, the dollar versus the South American currencies, those are two different things. And the one that matters the most uh, in regard to, say, corn and soybeans is probably the dollar versus the Brazilian currency rather than the more uh, well-followed version of the dollar index. Stock market has been incredibly strong. Um, we've seen new highs in the S&P 500 uh, just this week. One thing to know about the stock market is that, you know, so we saw this huge sell-off and then this massive recovery into fresh all-time highs. Uh, the, the sell-off was sparked by the virus, and now you've got a, a return to all-time highs. Um, the the stock market is not the economy, and I've talked about this um, a little bit, but uh, when you look at, at, say, the five biggest companies, Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Microsoft, Google, they have accounted for a, a fairly substantial portion of the returns. So um, year to date, I think as of as of last week or something, we were up a couple percentage points year to date. Um, without those five big companies, we would have still been down five or six percent year to date. So uh, it's it's it, it's has a lot to do with how the real big companies are doing. Um, the the S and P five hundred is not a reflection of Main Street, um, the Main Street economy. It's it's a very much it's a very different thing. But in any case, it's acted well. That's good for your retirement account. It's good for your four hundred one k. It's good for um, a lot of things. So wanted to do this discussion, will China stop buying? And uh, I'm talking specifically about soybeans and, and maybe corn to a lesser extent. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the export situation, uh, what's been driving it, and uh, what could continue to drive it uh, into the future. So let's start off with soybeans, and I'm going to talk about the state of soybean sales to China. Uh, for new crop delivery, this would be anything after September 1st. China has bought, these are, are sales that have not been delivered. For new crop delivery, they've bought, so far, this is just China, 11.9 million metric tons of U.S. beans. That's about 438 million bushels. That's what they've bought, they've committed to, but they have not yet uh, uh, received. It hasn't been shipped yet. These are new crop beans. Um, that is the second best commitment from China on record, I believe, behind only 2013. And that, that's as of last week. It may be different now that we've seen some additional flash sales. Uh, it's just above 2014 and just above 2009. So in terms of the commitments that China has made to U.S. beans for this new crop time slot, October, November, December, January, maybe a little bit past that, it is the second best on record. But it's not... It's not like we're in territory that we haven't seen before. We've seen these sort of new crop sales before in a handful of situations or, or levels similar to this in a handful of situations. So we're not uh, blowing the lid off of, of previous records or anything, but we're very strong and we may end up with the best new crop sales book to China um, on record. And keep in mind, this marketing year ends here in a few days, and then we'll be talking about them as, as current year sales. But it, it looks really good, but it's it's not... It's not uh, a total anomaly by any means. Um, keep in mind the, the delivery period for when China is buying these beans from the U.S. They're buying beans that will be delivered in October, November, December, maybe January. And the U U.S. And, and U.S. beans during that time slot are essentially the only game in town for a big buyer like China. Uh, our prices are competitive. Brazil has essentially exhausted 
its soybean supplies. They don't have anything to ship during that time frame. So if China wants beans in that time frame following U.S. harvest, uh, the beans are going to come from the U.S. Um, now, here's the bad news. The bad news is that Brazil is going to begin planting soybeans in a few weeks. Um, the anticipation as of right now is that Brazilian farmers will plant record soybean acreage, the equivalent of 94 or 95 million acres of beans. That's what they're expecting to be planted in Brazil this year. So assuming that weather is halfway normal, the projection is already out there that Brazil will have a record soybean crop uh, that they'll harvest you know, early next year, beginning in, uh, say, late January, and then February, March is kind of the, the key slot for, for soybean harvest. So that is what, to me, is the glaring problem uh, moving forward when it comes to, to soybean exports, uh, soybean sales, and, and to China in particular, being that China is the biggest buyer. Brazil has a lot of advantages uh, versus the U.S. when it comes to China and soybeans. Uh, the first one would be the currency advantage, which I, I discussed a little bit earlier, but um, B- Brazilian farmers are profitable with soybeans at current levels. That's uh, And that's been the case for a while now. And they've got a lot of money in this stuff that they can make. Whereas the US farmer, maybe even after this rally, is, is barely scraping by. So it encourages acreage, it encourages big production, it encourages big crops. The bigger thing, in my opinion, at least, is freight. Um, the, the amount of money that it costs to ship beans from Brazil to China versus, um, the, the U S to China is, is substantially different. So these are our calculations from Reuters here, uh, beans shipped from the U S Gulf to China, $51 a ton beans shipped from Brazil to China, $32 a ton. That's a $19 per ton advantage that, uh, Brazil has. That's the equivalent of 52 cents a bushel. That's a big deal when you're talking about beans priced at, at $9 or, or thereabouts. Um, that is an advantage that Brazil has that is never going away. It doesn't matter what the currency markets do. It doesn't matter uh, the, the crop size or anything. They will always have that freight advantage. It's it's just a, a, a matter of logistics. So that's the big glaring item here um, when it comes to beans. And, and the same thing can be said for corn. Now, to get into the corn situation, this is maybe a little bit more of a gray area, given that we don't have a real strong history of selling or shipping a bunch of corn to China. It doesn't happen very often. In some years, they buy next to nothing. Um, As of right now, China's committed to 5.7 million metric tons of new crop corn. That's about 225 million bushels uh, from the U.S. I believe that's the best ever. It's it's the best since at least 2005. I don't know if we were selling corn to China before that. That's as far as my charts go back, but it's the best in, in the ethanol era, call it that. So um, very, very good. It's almost double the, the 2013 number, which was the, the previous previous best number uh, dating back to 2005. So I don't know what China is going to do with corn. This is more of a more of a gray area, again, because they don't have a strong history of buying corn from the U.S. Um, we don't have a strong history of, of, of shipping corn uh, to China. Um, there's been a lot of debate about China's corn stocks. What do they actually have in China? Uh, there's, there's been a lot of talk that maybe the corn stocks are not quite as big as, as what USDA has led on, or maybe China is trying to mask the fact that they're... Um, 
their corn stocks are not necessarily that large. And uh, we sold more corn to China just this morning, another 408,000. So this corn thing is is more of a gray area to me. I, I don't know. I, I can't analyze it perhaps as well as I can the soybeans. The soybeans, you've got a, a very strong history of China buying beans from the U.S. and from Brazil. And we know a lot about the dynamic there. This corn to China thing is a little bit different. And uh, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. So now I go back to my original question, which is the title of the episode, Will China Stop Buying? And that question is, I I think, leads to another question. Will China Stop Buying leads me to this next question. Do you believe China will buy a non-competitive product? My answer to that question is no, they will not. Um, So I guess my answer to the question, will China stop buying, um, my answer is probably yes, they will stop buying. I, I believe they will stop buying. Um, they're going to stop buying U.S. beans the minute that they can buy beans from Brazil cheaper. That's my take on the situation. Maybe that's a wrong take, but to this point, even since the trade deal has been signed, China has not been buying U.S. products at non-competitive levels. They've been buying U.S. soybeans and U.S. corn because they're competitive. I am not... Uh, at this point of the opinion that China is going to buy non-competitive U.S. corn or non-competitive U.S. beans simply to fulfill this trade deal. And and it doesn't look like they're going to fulfill the trade deal anyways. So that would be my take on the situation. Now, what could change that? It it could change. Uh, Big weather problem in Brazil could keep U.S. beans competitive uh, longer than expected, perhaps. That that could change it. is there some way that China continues to buy U.S. products in order to, to fulfill the trade deal, despite the fact that they won't be competitive or, or not, are not likely to be competitive come early next year? Never say never. I'm not going to say it's impossible. I'm going to say it's highly unlikely because I just I, I just don't see the case where China is going to buy more expensive beans from the U.S. because of this trade deal. Um, a lot of that could come down to what happens in this election in November. Um, you know, if Trump's still in office come early next year, do we have a better shot at, at selling more beans or corn? You could maybe make that argument. You could make the argument that, that a Joe Biden presidency isn't as tough on China as, as Trump has been perhaps, and that this whole trade deal goes away, but also all the tariffs go away. And we go back to what we were say pre 2018. I don't know exactly what's going to happen at all on, on the political front. And, and I can't tell you either way. I mean, even if, if you're to assume that Trump is still president come January or, or we've got a Biden presidency, I can't really tell you what's going to happen in either case. I mean, I've maybe got an idea, but it's tough to say. So Will China stop buying? Yeah, I think that they probably do. And 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 probably and if it continues, probably to a lesser extent. I just it it, it appears that they've got needs in this period following US harvest for uh soybeans in particular and corn to a little bit lesser extent. And uh I think that these purchases can continue, but there will be a point sometime this fall, it might be September, October, whenever um we've gotten a feel for for what is possible out of Brazil, assuming that the weather's not a disaster, assuming they've got a big crop, um, China's probably going to shift its purchases and they're probably going to start uh, buying very heavily from Brazil and they'll probably stop buying beans from the U.S., which would be perfectly normal with seasonal patterns, with what we've seen historically. And if I had to make a bet, I'd say that that's probably the way 
that this thing goes. Um, these sales, that this is all good news, but what I typically try to do is look a step forward, look two steps forward, look look two to three months out, what's the dynamic going to be? It's probably going to be different than uh, than what we're seeing right now. That would be my guess. If you have any comments about this, um, shoot me an email to info at standardgrain.com. I'd, I'd love to hear what you think. If you have a differing opinion, especially on the trade deal and uh, on Brazil, on any of that dynamic that I discussed here, uh, <clears throat> shoot me an email. I'd be happy to reply to you and even address it maybe on the next episode of the podcast. Remember, if you do need some help with your grain marketing, I offer a subscription service. Uh, anybody can buy it. If you're a farmer and you're looking for some direction, I'll tell you exactly what I'm doing, uh, when I'm doing it. Um, I go by percentages. I'll tell you every day um, we have a grain marketing tracker in my email and it tells you what percentage we've sold, when we made the sales, uh, what we're recommending. And uh, all that stuff is available for $49 a month. You just go to standardgrain.com, click on grain marketing plan, there's no obligation. You don't have to be a futures or options trader. I've got a lot of customers that are just cash grain marketers. They don't want to play or trade futures. They don't want to trade options. Um, they just want to sell cash and, and keep it very simple. And uh, this will work very well for you if you're in that camp. Everyone have a great day. I will talk to you later in the week.